You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. We would like to thank our show partner, Adits, for making this podcast possible. Adits are a local IT provider with one purpose, to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au. A-D-I-T-S dot In this episode, we're joined by Ben Kingsbury, Managing Director of Harcourt's Kingsbury Townsville, Brian Matthews, Chief Executive Officer, Good Shepherd Home, and Adriano Bellici, Branch Manager at Marsh Advantage. Welcome to all our guests. The industry sector we're looking at today is finance and insurance services. At a glance, the financial insurance service industry includes businesses providing a range of services. These include services direct to customers and to businesses, as well as services to other businesses in the industry. This includes businesses such as investment advisors, stockbrokers, financial planners, wealth management firms, insurance agents and brokers, superannuation providers, and in the insurance companies. With over 12,000 businesses registered in Townsville, there is over 816 in the financial insurance services and account for approximately 6.8% of registered businesses here in Townsville. This sector also brings in around 1,600 85 jobs to Townsville. In this episode, we couldn't go past the uh, the highlighting the insurance issues in Northern Australia. And with this week, it's highlighted with a couple of big announcements by the federal government in relation to the reinsurance pool and the North Queensland Strata Toll Resilience Program. So today, um, I'm going to start with that with some of the issues with, uh, with Ben and Brian, and then we're going to move on to a, a little bit more of a chat about what these announcements meant. So um, welcome today gentlemen thanks mike so ben if i can if i can start with you um you know we only just got to meet each other recently a senate inquiry into uh, into insurance um tell us a bit about your background and and where you're from and and what you're seeing in your in your sector yeah absolutely look the um the senate inquiry i was invited along there as my uh, part of my role as the RIQ zone chair but uh, to be honest it probably had more relevance to our real estate business and uh, kingsbury strata our, our strata management business where um, we're seeing huge effects, have been for the last probably 10 years, but certainly in the last few years, it's really come to the forefront in Townsville of the unaffordability or the just complete lack of availability of any sort of insurance options. Um, you know, putting huge, huge pressure on, on many of our strata owners, particularly in the larger buildings where they're having more and more trouble sourcing it, um, being forced to go offshore, seeing five, six, seven hundred percent increases over the last few years in, in what they're paying for their insurance. It's, it's just been completely out of hand. Um, where that's been really interesting as I think it's you know undeniable that Townsville's in a pretty good recovery cycle right now and we're starting to see some real investment in our region. We're starting to see unemployment drop, vacancies very low. There's arguably a housing shortage. Uh, but what we're still seeing is a complete lack of any sort of significant development in Townsville of things like residential unit buildings or any sort of increased supply, uh, which I put down pretty largely to to the absolute uncertainty that we've got in the insurance market. So, um, so, so you're about, you're sort of saying that we're we're not building affordable housing because um, we we can't get a decent quote for insurance. Yeah, look, undoubtedly the economy's had a factor as well, but I'd, I'd say that's getting to the point where some of those developments are starting to make sense again, or at least beyond the horizon. And there's very few significant size ones slated. The quickest way to, to create housing is to build something like a significant sized residential unit building. Um, it's been at least a decade before we've seen, you know, since we've seen anything of significance go up in Townsville. Um, and even the current ones that are out there are a smaller scale and still struggling to get pre-sale, struggling to get finance. 
um, largely down to that uncertainty of, of what does that market look like? Is there is there a way to sell them or are the body corporate fees going to be so out of hand that they're, they're completely untenable? So, so yeah, it's it's a case of, of, of the not knowing is the, the big thing. So I want to do a development, but I've got no idea what insurance is going to cost. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we've, we've spoken, you know, previously about it. You've got some examples on your books that, you know, have escalated over the recent years and last four to five years as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, all of, all of them have escalated um, with the exception of probably a handful of the smaller ones. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're not, it's at least a 200% increase over the last few years. That's assuming that you can still get insurance with what's down to one or two options in, in Australia. Uh, and as soon as you're forced offshore, which many of the buildings are, then they're, they're paying absolutely astronomical premiums of four or $500,000 for units that have less than 100 units. And, and we know, um, obviously being here in Queensland, there's there's incredibly specific legislation around the types of insurance that a strata or body corporate is required to have. Um, uh, are you seeing examples of where these uh, entities or the strata can't actually get it or they're underinsured or, or things like that happening in the marketplace? Yeah, very commonly. In the last couple of months alone, we've been to the commissioner's office half a dozen times to to propose alternative insurance arrangements where you might be insuring for less than the full replacement cost or for some sort of other arrangement that's out of the box. Um, and they have been working with us. They're aware how, how hard the industry is, so you can get those approvals. Um, but those are those unit owners are still sitting on an asset that they've got mortgages on and that sort of thing, and they're, they're underinsured. They're not insured for, for what the property should be if it was to, to have a major issue. And and even those, yeah. If you if you get a, a approval, if you like that, that's not forever, is it? That's a that's a twelve monthly thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, twelve monthly. So you need to go and reapply next year. We're we're hoping that maybe we'll see some movement in the market. But even with the current announcement, it uh, it doesn't start until thirty June or first July next year. And uh, even when it does, it's only for a three year pilot program right now. So what level of effect that's going to have on on the actual insurers coming back to the market is is yet to be seen. I, I think it could do with a little bit more weight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and Brian, um, chief executive officer over at the, the good shepherd home. Um, I mean, you know, I recently spoke to you and, and got some examples of, of the turmoil that you guys have been through recently. Um, tell us a little bit about your story out, out there. Okay. So this is a, this is a repeat role for me. I wasn't here during the floods. Um, but I had a 10 year term at the good shepherd, uh, up until 2016 and then had a four-year break and when I left or a year after I left uh, we we're paying about $45,000 a year uh, for building cover when I returned four years later we've added a building uh, we've had the floods and the cover has increased up to 670,000 we're currently in the position where there's there's minimal if not any or minimal to no margin in aged care and uh, increase, increases insurance of this type of scale and magnitude uh, just aren't sustainable. Our board is looking at ways that we can either reduce insurance in total, uh, either self-insure on, on some assets, put a cap in place, uh, hire excesses, um, and we're in the process of negotiating with our broker currently. Um, some of the feedback I've had is... Uh, our cover doesn't expire until the end of the year. There's no urgency on insurers to come back with an indication of what the movement in premiums will be because we're too far out. That doesn't work for us. Uh, we need time to go through 
what changes we can make, what risk we can afford to take, and we can't afford to be in the position a month out from reinsurance uh, without having a plan. So, so, so you're going from 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 forty thousand dollars to six hundred and seventy thousand. Six hundred and seventy thousand in in four years. Um, they they shouldn't have let you go on a break to start with because obviously uh, <laughs> you were obviously had it under control before you went. But um, uh, all jokes aside, uh, what does that translate to in relation to, for example, a bed night there? I mean, uh, how many residents have you got in the home and how does that translate into a, a cost per night or a cost per person? Never actually run the numbers on it, to tell you the truth. Um, our income is fairly strongly uh, governed um, by regulation Um we can charge a deposit, a refundable deposit for different levels of accommodation and, and earn revenue from that. But in terms of the revenue we get for caring for residents, it, it is fixed, it's fixed by, yeah. by the Commonwealth. Um, at the moment, we're striving for a break-even position. So essentially, we've got zero margin per bed. Uh, that's probably unusual, I guess, for most industries and, and it's clearly not sustainable but that's that's where most aged care providers are uh, I think at a national level about 70% of aged care providers are operating at a loss currently um, so in terms of uh, the cost per resident you know if we're looking at six seven hundred thousand uh, dollars on for 230 residents we can apportion it out but it really just depends on how far in the red we go yeah. The higher uh, the higher we go above six seventy, the more in the red we are. Yeah, yeah, and th and there's no way of, I mean, we we know about some of the other issues in your industry as well, but yeah, you just can't put your price up tomorrow because no, your can't. your insurance has gone up, um, you, you know, by by over six hundred thousand dollars in a, in a case of four years. No, that that that's exactly how it is. <laughs> uh, our income is capped. We can increase occupancy. But when you're not making a margin per bed, arguably you're not making a difference, and and sometimes you're actually losing more money the more beds you have. Yes, yeah. So I I mean as a um, uh, you know you're you're I would say you know insurance is an essential service. You're you're providing a, a, an essential service to the community, uh, and I know we highlighted this in the Senate inquiry with your example. Is you know if if the government's not going to step in and do something here, um, then the government will end up being the insurer of last resort here anyway, because if if you can't get insurance, you you essentially have to close. Is that right? It's not a path that we want to go down. No. Um, but clearly, we can't continue to trade unprofitably. Um, arguably, we're not in position. I don't believe our board would um, take on the risk of of trading without insurance. Um, I I think that's we we have two hundred and close to 230 residents with us at the moment. And if we had to close those beds, uh, that has a, a very significant impact on the lives of those people and the, and the family. We're about 15 or 16% of the total market in Townsville, and there's not capacity to throw 230 people out there into the community or find other beds for them. Certainly not in the short term. So the, the intent is not for us to close, but ultimately, if we are unable to get insurance at a price that we can afford, that is one of the options on the table. And and I'm sure it would be the an option for the other homes that are operating within this region as well. 
Yeah, well, I, I just remember when I, I heard your story, it was just, uh, you know, gave me goosebumps. And I mean, this is, this is the third or fourth time I've heard it, and it, it still does the same thing, that we can't supply a service like that to, you know, our, our communities, uh, you know, arguably our most important people, if you like, because they're mums and dads. And they're, um, so it's, it's um, yeah, it's, a, it's an horrendous story. And um, Adriano, like being a, uh, an, in, an insurance broker, I'm, I'm sure... This isn't the first one you've heard like that. No, welcome to, to my world, Ross. And um, unfortunately, uh, I'm confirming that I'm having these discussions daily, weekly, as are my staff and I'm sure my peers um, in the industry that work up here. Unfortunately, this is the reality of where we find ourselves, um, working in an insurance industry that it is somewhat dysfunctional, um, for want of a better word. I know when we sat down at the end of last year and we started to look at solutions for insurance, we had the ACCC report just just handed down or 693 pages of it three days before Christmas. Um, I don't know if they thought no one would read it, but we uh, we definitely we definitely picked it up and, and had a good look through it and didn't really tell anyone in North Queensland what we didn't already know. But probably what scared us the most was the lack of quality recommendations out of that report. And I know we reached out to you and another, other brokers and we... We sort of said, well, what's some solutions here? And we we nutted that out and we, we came up with the reinsurance pool, a, an obligation to cover Australia-wide because we know it's a profitable insurance industry if we spread it over the 24 million people. Um, you know, if industry didn't want to do it, we, we put a proposal together for a national insurer. Um, and, of course, we looked at the stamp duty and GST element to, to what's been added. And, um, you know... Uh, credit where credit's due we've got a, a federal government prime minister that's been up and he he's announced uh, the establishment of a of a reinsurance pool uh backed by a 10 billion dollar uh guarantee uh, i know it's a, a new announcement for you and uh, we're going to put you on the spot but but what's your what's your early indications what's the industry saying about that huge announcement this week yeah, it is a big announcement, and we did talk about it, like you said, at the end of last year when, when we had um, some some really good discussions about what we were going to, to you know, put forward and, and what the Chamber, and, I, and kudos to the Chamber for putting forward um, the document that you did uh, for those budget submissions, because um, I think it was a good document, explained your position well, um, and I think, you know, most of those points were extremely reasonable points to be um, challenging both the industry and the government to look at. Um, and number one was appears to have come through. So we, we've got confirmation of a, uh, as you as you said, a $10 billion guarantee in the form of a reinsurance pool. Uh, for Northern Australia, it was confirmed this morning. So what that means is I would anticipate would be in effect above the 26th parallel because that is the um, invisible line drawn um, and distinguished by by the industry quite often as being the area above which um, insurance has become an availability and affordability problem. The It is big news, um, which can't be downplayed. So it's great to see, I think, from an industry perspective and being an industry insider, if you want to say that. Again, I'm a broker, so for those who aren't aware, we represent the client we don't represent the insurers, so so we do work for the clients that that um, that are with us, and we represent them. Um, we don't represent insurers. We go out to the market and seek insurance solutions for for our clients. As a for, to give a broker's perspective of what that reinsurance pool could mean, 
the reason for putting it forward as a submission was to allow the industry to make a shift which it wasn't doing itself. So what we've seen, and some people have called it a market failure, and you know we could we could go on all day back and forth as to guilty, whether there has been guilty, yep. guilty, yes, <laughs> and 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 justifiable, um, I believe by by examples that have been provided, the industry will continue to probably rebut that. Um, and I'm pretty sure the Insurance Council of Australia does. But the, the reinsurance pool uh, is, is a big step from the government, as I mentioned before, can't be downplayed because it is finally government, whether state or federal, in this case federal, coming forward to actually uh, do something about an industry which isn't operating the way it should Insurance is there to help facilitate industry business, um, and, and it does so by securing things such as debt. Um, if, if you can't insure your home, if your premiums are too expensive, the bank's not going to lend you the money, um, and we're having stories like that happening. Same thing with business. We're, we're seeing instances where, where people, you know, deals might be falling over because you can't secure the insurance. To go to Ben's point before, developments aren't occurring because What's happening? Oh, well, we, we, we've got an issue with securing construction insurance um, in this area as well because that's become difficult to obtain. So the mechanism of the reinsurance pool, and again, the details, it will take uh, de delivery of it. It won't be for another 12 months, I understand, and they're going to have to work hard to get that happening within 12 months, um, include all of industry, but it is there to provide a guarantee um, to insurers to hopefully invite them back into the market. That is the ideal. Get them looking at North Queensland and giving them the reassurance that, for <laughs> reassurance that, there is some security there for for insurers to play. They can cede some of that perceived risk, as we call it. Um, so, again, we have to define the terms of what that reinsurance pool is going to do. Is it purely going to be for the risks of flood? Um, cyclone, name cyclone and the like. So, so we still don't have those details. So there's a lot more that needs to come out. Industry response at this point in time, haven't received any yet. Um, and I know that I've, I've read a lot of articles about it recently in the past uh, 24 hours or 48 hours. And um, some people are referencing information that is, is somewhat a couple of years old of insurers that have promised to come back into the market, everything else. We do need to go back now that this announcement has been made and check back in with with the industry and say okay now what does this mean for you and what what contribution will we get from the insurance industry in in northern australia or western australia and, and these areas that are exposed yeah i know we we used a um a, a submission to the ACCC report from alliance saying that they would re-enter the marketplace and and they clearly articulated a you know, up to a 50% reduction in premium if there was a reinsurance pool for, for cyclone and flood. And um, that that wasn't picked up by the ACCC. They didn't further that. Um, so, you know, it was, and the reinsurance pool wasn't a uh, recommendation from the ACCC. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's bold and it's brave from the government, but it's great to see industry sort of saying, um, you know, this is maybe the reset that we needed. Um, we do need to check back in with them. So that's 2019. So since 2019 now, you've had COVID, mm. um, which the industry is still grappling with. For those that don't know, there's still a huge uh, uh, COVID 
matter to be resolved there, and that and that's not just here, but that's also uh, uh, globally. So it, it is important now with this announcement to go back in and check with insurers such as the one you've mentioned and just say, okay, so once we get some detail through from the government as to how this thing's going to be structured and what for, are you going to come back and play? And, and probably to go to, was it your second or third recommendation of you know, a, a look at how insurers play within the Australian market and um, in terms of them being selective with where they're playing. Is there an opportunity now to use this reinsurance pool to sort of position things to say, well, hang on a minute, stop cherry picking, stop playing in the uh, states of Victoria, New South Wales and saying that, you know, we're not playing in Queensland or, or, or whatever it is. Here we have this guarantee of a reinsurance pool. And again, I'm talking very general layman's mm. terms, but I think there does need to be, as, as industry comes together um, with government and, and they form the terms of what this reinsurance pool will be, how it will be funded into the future, um, that some of these robust discussions happen and there is an onus put back onto the industry as to how they will respond. And, and I know when we were advocating for this over the, you know, that we always said, here's our four recommendations, but we don't think one will be enough because of the complexity of the issue. So, you know, if you pick the reinsurance pool, then, then say to industry, okay, you've got to go back into those markets. If they're not willing to, you know, do we have a national insurer again, uh, like we did? Um, but also those, those levies that we always talk about, I mean, uh, take a commercial building here in Townsville, you've got 10% GST, you've got 9%-ish, sometimes a little more stamp duty, 5.3% uh, for the, the terrorism levy. Uh, Any more, Adriano, that we're... <laughs> no, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. And so there is there is an opportunity definitely for, for the state to do something as well. Look at that stamp duty. Let's get rid of or decide what we're doing with taxes on insurance. Are we, if we're maintaining them, do they need to be turned into levies and actually used for mitigation? Mitigation's a word that's thrown around by local government, state, federal, by everybody. Well, okay, we're, we're collecting a pretty good windfall on in terms of insurance taxes. Do we continue to do that? So if we eradicate them, that's fine. Okay, so we get rid of them. We might have a saving in the first year, but then do the premiums slowly start to claw back that saving? Um, or do we leave them on and therefore channel that money that we're collecting back into assisting communities to, to become more resilient to, to natural disasters if that's the issue? The other thing, Ross, too, is is that reinsurance pill is going to focus on property. Um, the the uh, If you remember, the, the, the red flags that, that I had for you back in December were and then, um, coincidentally enough, a local business was struggling to get public liability insurance shortly after. But um, this is where the industry is having its challenges, is that we're talking predominantly about an, a property insurance mm. matter and issue here, but the, the challenges are far beyond that at this point in time. And, and I know, I think I, when we were talking about it, Adrian, I said, well you know, the great advocacy work that had been done by so many people before us, you know, the Margaret Shaws, the Colin Dwyers, all of these people that have been talking about this for 10 years, um, you know, some would argue that they got the ACCC report up um, so we could actually have a tangible document to say, hey, this system is broken. Um, and I know we use the words, there is a market failure of an essential service. Um, insurance is undoubtedly essential service. You know, Brian, you, you were saying you, you know, your board wouldn't want to 
run without it. Um, you know, Ben, you're saying that um, you have to get permission to break the law. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's yeah, exactly. the reality. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a really interesting thing. And even the when you're getting that permission, the, the commissioner's office still comes back and says, keep in mind, we're just saying you can do this. We're not saying it's okay. We're not saying this is an acceptable arrangement. Mm. Uh, and instantly you put in those people in default of their mortgages and all sorts of different things. But they're having you know, those requirements for full insurance don't just sit in that legislation. They sit with their financiers. They sit in various places. So um, you know, it, it could really snowball into an even bigger issue if, if some of those things came to the front. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, I mean, it's a, um, it's a huge issue, but, but just recapping, I mean, amazing news this week, really. Um, the government sort of announced this $10 billion reinsurance pool. Um, they have thrown some numbers around, but Adriana, I, I, I do a caution as, as the industry does, but potential savings are on premiums of more than 1.5 billion over the next 10 years. And the program will cover over 500,000 properties north of the Tropic of Capricorn and uh, in particular for the cover of cyclone and associated flood damage. And of course, we've got that other $40 million pilot program for the North Queensland Strata Title Resilience Pilot Program, if I can get all of that out at once. But I think you really clearly articulated there, uh, Adriano, about, you know, there are other things to do here. Uh, we know here in North Queensland, we played $64.6 million in stamp duty in, in 1819, according to the ACCC report. Uh, that is no small chunk of change. So uh, I'd like to end these um, chamber casts with, you know, what you think would make the biggest difference to this industry. We put it out and then, you know, hopefully as chamber, we get some good feedback. So, so Brian, have you got a... Have you got a feeling of, of what would make the biggest difference to to you and your business and your operation? Insurance isn't my core business, so yeah. it, it, it's a bit of a difficult one for me. Um, it never used to be a significant cost. Yes. It now is. Uh, I, so I, I guess from a, from a potential uh, solution, uh, anything that brings insurance premiums down to a to a level that we can afford to have cover to protect the assets of the organisation, that essentially allows the organisation to continue is going to be a positive thing. It sounds as if this is a, a great step in the right direction, um, but I guess I work in aged care, and it, it, it's not an area that that my experience um, is probably going to be helpful. I'm really looking at the outcome and how it affects my industry and and aged care and the residents I care for. How we get there, I guess, is, is really going to be the challenge for others. But at the end of the day, if it's unaffordable, the consequences are going to be felt by the aged, it's going to be felt by their families, it's going to be felt by you and I and everybody who lives in this region. So there does need to be a sustainable solution um, and it may well be a combination of different things. Yeah, and I, I, I do apologise for putting you on the spot in relation to not being an insurance uh, expert, but I think your insight that you've had to gain into this industry uh, from a completely different sector um, adds a lot of merit because of, of what you're dealing with on your day-to-day -day basis. It, and it's been elevated to a point where, you know, it's one of your your key priorities. It, it is, and, and we're looking internally at the things that we can do to reduce the damage, re reduce the dollar cost uh, if there is an event, whether it's a cyclone or water coming into the buildings in some shape or form. But that 
is only helpful if it allows us to get insurance at an affordable cost. Mm. If all we're doing is reducing the risk for the insurers and they still either don't enter the market or or, or allow us uh, cover at a, at a level that we can afford, uh, arguably we're not actually achieving anything as an organisation. We're, we're trying to help ourselves, but it's ineffective. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. Uh, ben, I mean, you've... Um once again, not your industry. I, I totally understand that, but you've you've had to learn to deal with it, and you've had to learn to make ways with it. Um, is there anything you want to add to to any other solutions? If anyone's listening out there, yeah. Look, um, insurance has certainly been a larger part of my life than I ever intended it to be <laughs> over the last few years. So, uh, yeah. Look, the the thing I, I first of all I would say, like the work that has been done with the chamber and yourself and everybody in the you know in various industries to get this announcement across the line to begin with has been amazing and it's certainly huge and I wouldn't wouldn't like to take anything away from that. Um, but I think some speed and some certainty in that. Uh, I think it's important to remember that we're sitting here at the start of May. Um, these guys are talking about a 1st of July kickoff for the program, which arguably means we're not going to see any sort of effect in the competition until then. Uh, and to my understanding, a three-year pilot program from there. Um, that, that means that everybody out there with an insurance policy right now is going to go through that process of finding another insurance policy in the next 15 or you know, 13 months, um, some of them twice. So if it was able to be done a lot faster and see some of that competition hopefully hopefully ease before the next cyclone season so that as the renewals come up, they're, they're at a more reasonable level would be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I think is the certainty where if we, in the time of COVID, there's a, there's a whole movement. We're seeing a huge number of people move to Townsville for things like the relocating because they've realised they can work from home and they're leaving their, their place in Melbourne, they're selling up and they're moving north, which is really exciting for Northern Australia because not only is it another person for our population, but they actually bring a job with them into, mm. our, into our economy. They, they, bring, you know, they actually expand our economy in the north. Um, that would translate, I believe, to businesses and to all sorts of other operations that could move north and could take advantage of the, the cheaper infrastructure, the available office space, the the available infrastructure that Northern Australia has. I don't believe significant organisations are going to make that choice if they've got a three-year uncertainty window of what happens after that, where if this was a little bit more solid, if this was a, a longer-term plan, I think we'd see potentially a whole different impact to our economy as well. Yeah, yeah, and um, I know um, I know that the announcement is exciting, but we 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 are in the exact same boat. We 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 still got a fair bit of work to do before now and then. And and Adriano talking to you and talking to industry, you're you're saying you're going to need at least that long. <laughs> yes, and just sorry to quickly just clarify the two points and uh, the the both points made by Brian, um, very valid point there made by uh, if if you're going to to do you know and, and make your make your business more resilient. Um, that yes, there should be something in return in terms of uh, uh, premium affordability, at least, especially when it's gotten let's call it out of control because that's what it is. Um, just to go to to Ben's point there, just to separate the two matters because he's talking about that uh, pilot program, the Strata, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the the reinsurance pool is um, who knows how long that's going to be around. That that'll be. A while. Oh, I apologise, so, yeah. Adriano. I've misunderstood my, my reading of that. Sorry yeah. about that. No, no, that's all good. But um, so so, which is a good thing. Um, and unfortunately, the pilot program. Just quickly, Ross, we, we don't really know no. what they're backing there, <laughs> so we don't have any detail on that. So we'll we'll, we'll find out um, as soon as we can. And um, 
distribute that that information, um, but it'd be great to know what sort of resilient pilot program they're, they're, they're willing to do for Strata, or if they're back in the JCU program that's been around for a while, or, or something further. Um, Ross, I would say if government, again, great first step here with, yep. with the reinsurance pool, um, now it's about leveraging that. So obviously constructing it, agree 100% with what Ben said. Unfortunately, it's not going to deliver any savings for 20, what are we, 2020, 2020, yeah, 2021? Yeah, 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 yeah. we've got, we've got 14, 15 months, yeah. yeah. So um, that is the difficulty, <clears throat> is that uh, for people whose renewals are coming due now, end of financial year through to the rest of the year, uh, there is still going to unfortunately be quite a bit of financial pain. And I could say that from what I'm seeing within the industry. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, folks, it, it doesn't deliver right at this point in time, um, you have to take a bit of a longer term view with it, sorry, yeah. <laughs> that that it is. It's just, uh, we've allowed the situation to get to here, unfortunately, that, that, it's, that it's been this bad. Um, and that's from inaction in the past. So again, good on the current government for actually doing something about it. A shame we had to get to crisis point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we can say that about a lot of things. So, guys, I mean, thank you so much for your time. Great insight. Um, it was really good to have a real good cross-section here and, and um, to get it wrapped up by the the, the, the industry um, that we're in. And um, hopefully we can do another one of these next year and, and um, everyone's policies are back to... Uh, back to normal but uh it might might have to wait for two years so uh thanks once again and thanks for joining us here at the townsville chamber for uh chamber cast you're listening to the townsville chamber cast this podcast is proudly funded by the australian and queensland governments through the disaster recovery funding arrangements we would also like to thank our show partner adits for making this podcast possible adits are your local it provider with one purpose to implement effective technology solutions which empower their customers to achieve their mission. You can find out more about how they can support you and your business over on their website, adits.com.au. A-D-I-T-S.com.au. Townsville Chambercast, surfing the radio waves all the way to your favourite streaming services. Thanks for listening. And remember to think, support, celebrate and go local.